Doctor? What doctor? Doctor who? Doctor who, did you say? Eh? Doctor who? What are you talking about? gibberish or do you really know what you're talking about well i'm in a very happy place tonight i'm basically returning to my childhood for this story yes yeah this this for me as well is a return to childhood but but more for the the novelization ah right because uh, because that that was my first experience of this story was um uh, in, in that first batch of target books like 10 or so that my dad picked up um this this was one of them, and I remember. I think I read this a sort of second. I think I, I read the I think the Web of Fear first, and then I read this, and I chose this because of the cover. And I thought, oh, what, what are these what are these things on it? Oh, look look at these creatures, um, and so I I built up this sort of huge mystique about about what it would look like, mm. and then obviously when they showed it on the five faces. It didn't quite match up to my imagination, but not not bad. Right. So you don't you you didn't see it upon first transmission. I don't, I don't remember it at all on first transmission. I might have watched it. <clears throat> There's certain from from that sort of very very young era. Uh, I remember certain things like I remember the Green Death. I remember the maggots. I remember being scared of things underground. And I remember. I mean, obviously, remember Lynx. Um, and I remember the Sea Devils really well. Um, but I don't remember Curse of Peladon. Hmm. And I don't know whether it is it a case of... I, well, I watched it, but it just didn't sort of trigger with my young mind with all the sort of political machinations and that. But I, I think I, if I had a seen it, I, I, I would have remembered it because I loved monsters. Hmm. See, do. I do remember it, and yeah. I'm a bit older than you, and I yeah. was 10, or coming up for 10. Which is probably an ideal time to... Well, that's what I'm thinking. It, it would have gone in. But also, yeah. of course, you know, we had a follow-up story, so yes. that keeps it in mind for you. But also, I'm sure Curse of Peladon and Monster of Peladon were repeated before The Five Faces of Doctor Who. I'm sure it was repeated again mm. in the 70s at some Possibly, point. Possibly, yeah. I mean, it's going to be an ideal one to repeat, isn't it? Especially Curse. Um, it might have done, yeah. yeah. I don't think there's a definitive... I don't think there's a website with like a definitive list of repeats on, is it? I haven't seen because it. Because different, you know, different regions of the BBC and that seem to show different stuff as well, didn't they? A bit like ITV did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it might have been repeated. You might be right. I remember it vividly from The Five Faces. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, I just no memories whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, but I, yeah, I tell you what's funny uh, watching it now. You know, um, you know, with our you know history of podcasting now, and you know we've um, completed our Blake Seven in character podcast. Watching it in the last week, you know, ready for tonight, I'm struck by how much this could actually be a Blake Seven story. 
right? And the thing that first got me started thinking about it was Arcturus, a head in a tank, is a bit like yeah. Samon, a head in a tank, right? And that got me thinking, hang on, this story, you can substitute Blake and Jenna for the Doctor and Joe Grant, right? You could yeah. have Samon as Arcturus, you could have like Vargas for Hepesh. Oh yeah, I, I got that in my notes, that he's very, uh, he's very Vargas like. Yeah, and for Agador you could have Og. Yeah, true. So you could make a, you could do a fan edit of Blake Seven stuff to make this. I don't know why you would. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was that's dedication. I was just funny enough. I was just looking because I, I was I, I vividly remember this being repeated, but it wasn't part of the Five Faces season. That was Carnival of Monsters. So you're right. It must have been shown. You must be remembering that seventies yeah. repeat that yeah. I'm thinking it must about. Must be. Yeah. Hmm. God. Like the memory cheats, don't it? JMT yeah. was right. <laughs> All right, let's crack on and, and get into this tale. Yes. This chamber is reserved for the delegates' private meeting. Greetings! You are the delegate from Alpha Centauri? The delegate from Arcturus. Greetings, delegate! There has been an incident. A court official has been slain. Slain? There has been violence. I am in danger. An internal matter, Delegate Arcturus. Do not be concerned. The delegation must be concerned, if only for its own safety. We are committed to the rejection of violence, but we are capable of self-defense, should it prove necessary. Allow me to demonstrate. <laughs> Desire only your friendship. Then make sure that our mission is not in danger. Oh boy, are we in Ian Schoon's territory? Ah, yeah, the, the first shot is a lovely, massive model, isn't it? Um, re really nicely done. It's it's certainly it's Ian Schoons doing the, the the visual effects here, and yeah. um, you know this is his uh, hammer experience. Yes, writ yes. large, isn't it? Yeah, this has got yeah this has got hammer written all over it. Um, not not in the sort of not in the story or anything, or the you know it's not. I don't think it's quite as it's not really horrific as a story, but yeah, the the aesthetic, the look, you know, the castle. I mean, to be fair, this this effect of the uh, of the big model castle, and we see lots of shots of this. Um, I think it's better than some of the stuff Hammer did. Mm. You know, if this was filmed on, because I'm presuming it was just filmed on 16 mil at, at Ealing or something, but if this was filmed on like 70 mil, and you know they had proper time to light it and do everything. Yeah, this model is, is very impressive. It's not bad, is it? I've got a quote yeah, from good. Ian about it. Right. Um, he, he says, I did a rough storyboard of the model sequences and a painting of Peladon Castle so that the director, Lenny Main, um, could get an idea of what I was planning to build. Obviously, producers and directors appreciate this additional means of communication, yet surprising as it sounds, that was the first time that anybody in the department had storyboarded an effects sequence. Wow. Hmm. Just seems so um, so obvious now, don't it? But it was yeah, it's a different era. Yep. So that's it. Make it up as they went along. Yeah. So here we are. We've got a gothic yes. 
uh, Doctor Who starts, you know, this uh, th th this model sequence wouldn't look out of place in Brain and Morbius. I think it's the no, same yeah. thunderstorm as well. Probably the same thunderstorm sound effects. Yes, I mean. yeah. Def definite BBC sound effects thunderstorm. Um, but I, I was quite impressed as well that when we go inside the castle um, in sort of the next shot, uh, the sets inside are pretty good. Well, a couple of them are a bit bare, but the actual... I suppose that I, I don't know whether these were made from from scratch or whether like the BBC had a load of stock castle walls and things like that. But it, it looks really good, the tunnels and the. It's what the BBC yeah. did this very well, didn't they? Yeah, they all, did. Yeah. All their dramas, all their medieval dramas. These yeah, anything sorts of historical, corridors. they were great at. Anything futuristic, not not quite so as good. Yeah. yeah the lighting I'm... helps as well, though, doesn't it? It's really lit well. This story. Yeah, yeah. The people on board knew what they were doing. Yes. And um, yeah. I like the idea that somewhere there's a lock-up at the BBC where they have all their flaming torches kept yeah. because, you that, know... That does... That, I always think of things, like, you think in Hammer and all these sort of things, is um, who lights these torches and keeps them replaced? Because cause torches, at best, run for a couple of hours, you know, until they then need to be replaced. They're a horribly inefficient way of lighting anything, and in medieval times, they didn't really use torches that often. No. Um... There's a reason they rapidly invented candles and stuff like that. Um, because torches are, are not, you know, they're not great. You would use them generally outside. You wouldn't use them in castles like this. But, I, like, because we see later on that there's lots of hidden corridors and things like that. But the torches are always lovely and lit. They are. Who's doing it? Who's who's replacing it? Looking after it? Do you think this? Do you I think, think it's Grun. That's what Agador does. Grun actually, yeah. He I think do Grun's it. doing it. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. to be fair, I mean, you know, it, they asked him to do it, and he never complained. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we go inside. We've got these lovely corridors. I always yeah. think that's Hepesh that we see to begin with it, but it's not. Yeah, it's no, no, Torbis, no, isn't well, it? I, I was thinking this because we 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 see we see a few other we see the guards and that. But these two are almost meant to be, look like they're meant to be brothers or twins or something, aren't they? They've both got the same badger hair. They've both got the same beard. They both dress similarly. And the way they argue, I thought, are these meant, were these originally meant to be brothers or something? They are brothers, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, they are brothers. Does it mention it in it? Yes, yeah, yeah, no, it's oh. mentioned. Yeah, yeah, Hepesh is like um, uh, the high priest. Yeah. And Torbis is the chancellor, isn't he? Right. Oh, is that why they look alike then? They're meant to be. Yes. Well, they've all got this Malin streak, haven't they? They've uh, yes. everybody. Um, I yeah, think if we saw like children, badger, they yeah. would all all look like badgers. Yeah. 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 And yeah, uh, that that's the that because we're rapidly getting to the next bit, which is hasn't held up quite so well, which is the uh, the wigs and outfits. And and on DVD, you can really uh, see the join on those yes. wigs, can't oh, you? Oh, yeah. They're yeah. coming apart in some places. You can see it's coming yeah. away from the skin. And to, I mean, you know, to, to give them their dues in, in an infinite universe, hair like this on this planet, this might be their real Who's hair. Who's to say it's not like Who's, it? Yeah, yes. They, you know. Because yeah. if, if it is their real hair, they all need to get some conditioner, don't they? <laughs> it's yeah. very dry, their hair. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, what do you think of their par uh, sparkly purple outfits? It doesn't really go with the gothic no. side of things, does it? Well, I, what animal supplied the fur for this sparkly purple stuff? Well, it's not Agador, is it? No, not it's not Agador. We, yeah, we see Agador and he's, he's fairly normally furred, coloured. But yeah, so is there like a, a rare beast that they wiped out? 
you know, like the mink or something to get their fur, this poor purple beast. Might be, might be. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. who is making all these outfits? Who makes the king's, you know, thigh-high boots? Well, yeah, who makes his kinky boots? This, yeah, David Troughton appears, um, and he's great in it, but, oh, God, that costume. He must be embarrassed. He's got, this has got to be the, like, I think you mentioned... Like the Martin Clean syndrome, where yeah. they must get this clip out and go, you know, look, look at Granddad. <laughs> just, I mean, the boots are all right. You sort of understand. They're like they're all right. Or not he's like got Astrid. no trousers. Yeah, but he's got no trousers <laughs> on underneath. <laughs> no, that's got to chafe. Yeah. That's oh, got to rub when he sits yeah, down. That can't be good. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting look. Yes. It doesn't immediately sort of scream out majestic power, does it? No, and it's not one you would want to cosplay, really. No, no. I know I wouldn't. Well, I, I, when I first watched this on VHS, I was looking and thinking, is he is he wearing like flesh-coloured trousers? Is that is he meant to have bare legs? And on DVD, you can see, yeah, he's just he's got no trees on. Oh dear, oh, what dear. sort of kingdom is this? <laughs> a kinky one. It's a yes. kinky kingdom. Yeah, so there they all are. Um, they're told that the delegate from Alpha Centauri has arrived and yes. are still waiting for the one from Earth. And Hepish is against all this, our first adversary, Hepish. He's yes. all against it. Uh, he thinks that they're leaving the customs of their people and, and to yeah, do so he, will he, bring about the curse of Agador. Yeah, Agador. Do, do. He's, um, he's, your, he's, he's not quite your classic religious nut job because... I'm not entirely sure he believes it all, but he he does have some sort of sympathetic quirks later on. But again, it, yeah, it, I don't know whether this was cliched then, but it, it's certainly a, a sort of a bit of a cliche now. So yeah, you've got the two sides. You've got the the side that wants to modernise and join the another Blake Seven thing, the Federation. Yep. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, Serverland yeah, yeah. wouldn't have given them much choice, would she? No. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Um, Jacqueline Pierce, if she wandered into the studio playing a part in this and saw Alpha Centauri, yeah. oh, no one would get out alive, would they? I want to see Jacqueline <laughs> Pierce in those boots. Yes, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, she would fit right in here. Um, yeah, so one side you've got the, the the we need to modernise, we need to get rid of times. You know, we're all living in a cave with badger haircuts. We've got we've got no iPads or anything. Um, and then obviously you've got the other side, which is the uh, it will destroy our um, our heritage. You know, um, and I mean this is what this story is always always described as an allegory for joining the common market, and it's not, is it? It's not at all that. It, it, the the yeah. writer. Brian Hales has stated no. I mean, it was yeah. on his mind, but it's not an allegory no, or anything like that. it's not an allegory like at all. P- people who call it an allegory don't understand what an allegory is. I mean, it's got little elements of it, and you can see where Brian Hales would have gone, you know, in the in the newspapers at the time, obviously. There, there was people like Hepesh saying, if we join the common market, they'll come over here and all of our, uh, all of our customs, you know, of scrubbing around in dirt and dying at 30 they'll all be gone and overthrown mm. um so you can see you can see a little bit but the actual story itself has nothing to do with joining a common market does it no um unless the common market was a bit different back then um but yeah so so and so you've got the classic sort of triangle of of you know uh 
Torbis on one side, Herpesh on the other, and then I have to say the slightly wet Peladon in the middle. Yes, he, yeah, Kirk, he... yeah. I was going to say he he's he's in the Captain Kirk mode anywhere. He he's listening to his you know the the logical side, the passionate side, and then he's going to hopefully come out somewhere in between the two. Um, can we just can we mention at this point? Um, the sheer number of characters in this called after the planet they come from. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Because I think, so you got Peladon, who is from Peladon. You got Alpha Centauri, who's from Alpha Centauri. You've got Arcturus, who's from Arcturus. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that Islia yeah. wasn't called Mars. Yeah, yeah, Mars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it's like, were you were you, uh, were, were you not bothering there, Brian? What? Yeah that, yeah, that is a bit weird. Yeah, because yeah, he is just called King Peladon, isn't he? King Peladon, yeah. Can you imagine it's like uh, King Earth? No, it's not. No. I'm not sure. No, that's, that's a bit how silly. Um, so, yeah, we have this spat between the brothers, you know, yes. uh, about it because uh, Torbis calls it, you know, childish mumbo jumbo, all the Agador curse yes. idea, and he storms off. And it, it, it is immediately killed by Grun, this mute. Yes. Servant of Hepeshes. Well, I think he's, isn't he killed by Agador? Is he killed by Agador? I think he's killed by Agador, and Grun's the one that finds him because Grun is the one. That oh, says, it's yeah, yes, it, it is. Agador oh, yeah, no, sorry, yeah. sorry. I, yeah. I, I don't really understand this either. So, and it, this could be that the Doctor is pulling stuff out with his bot bot again. But later on, the Doctor says, "Oh, I think it's reasonable that that Hepesh found a, uh, an Agador up a mountain, up on the mountain." <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So, so these creatures existed and existed until very recently so why is everyone sort of so dismissive that a creature like this could exist well they all think they're exi- extinct don't they but if and, you had, and long so, been extinct so, yeah but we are like you know i mean the, the, say, say say people kept saying i've seen something that looks like a dodo and it attacks me you would at least investigate, wouldn't you? You go, okay, dodos did exist. Yeah, I suppose well, they... getting further back, if it was, well, you know, it, say, say there was a species of bear and it went, we go, oh, it's gone extinct, and then someone said, oh, I was attacked by a bear that looked like this. Wouldn't you go, oh, perhaps they're not extinct? It's not well, that, that long ago. Yeah, like a T-Rex. Somebody yeah. found a T-Rex and a T-Rex attacked me. Nobody would go, oh, that's the ghost of a T-Rex. Yeah. It's like you saw a T-Rex then. Yeah, it's like you're 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 adding a step in there, aren't you? So you don't believe that it's the creature, but you believe it's the ghost of the creature. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And and again, this is one of those wonderful planets where they've got very specific um, sort of curses and and premonitions of things that will happen in it. Mm. You know, it's like fits perfectly this situation from Hepesh. Yes. Um... Just after that, that's when the TARDIS arrives. Yes, yeah, we got uh, a lovely, lovely TARDIS. At, at the side there. <laughs> and again, I've got a quote from Ian yeah. about this. He says, uh, I scratch-built the model TARDIS out of Plasticard, yeah. a material which I'd never used before. The windows of the police box miniature were photocopied from a photograph in the same scale, cut out and stuck on. Peladon Castle was made from cardboard, the various sections being cut out with a Stanley knife and glued together. I then used sheets of 6x4 for vac form plastic for the cliff face, which came from Pinewood Film Studios, disguising the join between the sheets with fake moss, a bag of which was in our Century 21 hall. 
I got freelance ca cameraman Mike Wilson in again to film all of these miniature sequences. If you watch the TARDIS as it falls off the ledge, you'll see that it clips the plastic rock face about halfway down, causing the whole set to vibrate. That could be my imagination, but I seem to remember my embarrassment over this when we first saw the rushes. So what he said there is all very interesting. Now he, you know, made a, a TARDIS yeah. on the cheap and just, you know, used a photograph of the windows. But also, I mean, crucially, and we've mentioned this before on Effectively Speaking, Ian Schoons knew that you had to have cameramen who knew how to photograph miniatures. Yeah. Because if you don't, well, you know in Doctor Who's history what you happens said, if you yeah. just have somebody who's used to doing, you know, the generation game and filming that, then trying to film a spaceship. It's not the same, really, is it? No, and the way the BBC worked then, you would just be assigned a cameraman. Um, you, you could request someone, but you, if they were busy doing something else, no, you just got the next person on the, the rotor. Um, but yeah, you, it doesn't matter how good your model is, if it's filmed wrongly, it's not mm. going to look up to, up to snuff. I mean, it's, I, I always find it fascinating in Classic Who that, that like, each, each time they would go, oh, I had to build a model of the touch. You think, why? Now you would have, like, 50 different models that they use all the time of the main ship. Mm. You know, you would have that set, but it's like the way the BBC works here, it's, it, everything's made up per story, isn't it? Yeah. This is why we never got any, uh, any consistency in Unit HQ, because you wouldn't, they, nothing would be kept from story no. to story. And it, it always feels like when, when something does happen like that, it's usually the visual effects guy keeping it against orders or that they've salvaged something out of a skip and they'll use it next time. Yes. It's such a bizarre way to to run a series. Yeah. It yeah. feels it feels as alien as anything else in this show. Yes. Yeah, it does. It does. All right, well isn't, we Yeah. I was going to say we it also isn't it really lucky. It's another one of these lucky Tardis things where um Joe just happens to be doled up. Yes, yes, in something quite mm. suitable. Yes, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine her turning up in her normal gear? Well, she, I'm a princess. Well, I'm, I'm guessing she's dressed like this because she's going out on a date with Mike Yates, yeah, isn't she's, she? She's, oh, she's barking up the wrong she, tree. She should she? be in a straight jacket. That's what she uh, should be wearing. It's not going to end well this time. Maybe, I mean, she is totally dressed from neck to toe, isn't she? Yes. You know, that's because she's going on a date with Mike Yates. She oh, doesn't want, she, she doesn't yeah. want any, you know, fumbling. I think she'll be all right. I think, I think Mike Yates, you know. He plays for the other team, I think, doesn't he? So he doesn't play for any team. Nobody wants him. No, that's true. Bless him. Um, Maybe some it was sheep weird, somewhere. This, this thing of there's still remnants through a few episodes, don't there? This idea that Mike and Joe would be a romantic couple. They they give it up pretty quickly. Yes. To be fair. Yeah. But yeah, she's um, <laughs> she was going to go on a date with Mike Yates, and again, this speaks to it as well. As soon as the doctor says, "Do you fancy a trip in the TARDIS?" Even though she was literally leaving the building to go on a trip, a date with Mike Yates, she goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's go. I'll get you back on time." No, no, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take yeah, your time, so doc. She, yeah. She's off with the doctor. Isn't it's it? It's absolutely the the chemistry between um, the doctor and Joe in this is just great. They are fantastic yeah. together. They really Brilliant. are. This might yeah. be the high point. Um, I think this is the best Joe performance. Yeah. I think so, yeah. She's not dumb in this, no. is she? No, And that, that's nice. That's such a refreshing change. She she grasps her straight... I mean, there's a little scene later on where the Doctor just looks at her and makes an eye signal. 
and she knows what to do. It's yeah. Like, oh, so oh, that's when she goes off to yeah. investigate, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah, it's really nicely done. Yeah. All right, well, just before that TARDIS did fall off the cliff, yes. uh, the Doctor is, um, you know, just checking out the TARDIS console, and he kneels down and he looks underneath the console, right? Yeah. And John Pertwee fluffs his line, if you listen to it. I can't remember what he says, what he meant to have said, yeah. as opposed to what he did say. Do you know the reason why he fluffed his line? Um, I don't know. I'm, it, was, it, did it, was it like a... Um, a technical line that he fluffed because he used to read all of them off cards then he stuck on the console it, so. I think it was something technical yeah. but it, it wasn't that he couldn't remember it um, it's over to Ian Schoons again right he right. says one gag which didn't go down too well was played on John Pertwee there was a scene in the TARDIS where the Doctor had to mend something beneath the central console after rehearsals and before we went into transmissions someone and I'm naming no names, had stuck a naughty photograph right in John's <laughs> eye line. When John bent down and caught sight of this photograph during recording, he was completely thrown by it. The scene had to be re-recorded, so John wasn't quite as amused as the rest of the crew. So he does fluff his line, but it looks like he fluffed his line on the second take yeah. as well. <laughs> on the second take as well. <laughs> yeah, apparently it was a um, nudie photo. Yes. Because, right. yeah, John, John Pertwee had, a, I think, a great, a great system of working where up till recording you could have as much as fun as you want you could do anything you wanted but as soon as that recording light went on you were 100% serious giving it your all yeah he didn't he didn't have much uh, patience with people that screwed with the actual recording no and I, I agree with him now I think that's that's the perfect way to go on um, but yeah we also find out uh, from the doctor at this point that um, so this is the first, the first flight of the TARDIS since uh, the Three Doctors when he got his mm -hmm. dematerialization circuit stuff back, uh, and that the TARDIS is indestructible. Exactly, it's the Definitive. very first mention yep. to say that it was indestructible. Yep. I do love though that the Doctor goes, uh, she goes, uh, um, are we back on at Unit HQ on Earth? And the Doctor looks at all the readings and he goes, yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, oxygen, temperature, everything's normal for Unit HQ. It's like, what the hell? How how cold and windy is Unit HQ? Yes. Bless him. All right, so, yeah, bless him. So there they are. They're out on that ledge. We go yes. back into Peladon Castle, and this is where we meet Alpha oh. Centuri for the yes. first time. I'll, uh, yeah, so and Anne was watching it, and Alpha Centuri shuffles on. And she's not, you know, she's not... Uh, a fan fan by any stretch of imagination. She's no history with this. And she immediately said, why is there a big green cock on the screen? Yeah, it is it's terrible. Like, I've never seen the resemblance myself, but I evidently, uh, you know, that's that's what it makes people think of. Um, what do you think of of this? Can I, you remember what your first thoughts I were? think back then, I mean, I, I, I was nine going on ten, yeah. and I didn't mind it. I mean, it is a terrible costume. Um, yeah, I mean, a quote from, from Ian again saying that Lenny Main made us laugh by continually referring to Alpha Centauri as a one-eyed penis. Yeah. It was a bloody terrible costume that they had to put as, a cloak around in the end to disguise yeah. its phallic appearance. So he described it as a one-eyed penis as opposed to what? <laughs> Two-eyed penis? It, it is terrible. I mean, yeah. I, I, I but, mean... Yeah, I, I, it is awful. I mean, they, they've overstretched themselves there. I've got to applaud that they wanted to do something completely alien. 
Um, but what I will say that that lends this this uh, character just oodles of of, of believability. Um, and I, I think is it Stuart Fell in this? Costume? It is Stuart it's Fell. Stuart yep. Fell. Is the effort he puts into moving that head about? He does. It's absolutely perfect. He looks at the people that are speaking. He cocks it to one side. Cocks, sorry. He moves it to one side <laughs> when he's looking at. He's got all these little ticks and mannerisms. I, you know, absolutely top marks to Stuart Fell for that. I don't. I think with with just a like an extra in the costume, this would not be as believable a character. And that's what's horrible about this character, really, is that after a while you stop thinking of it as. A big green cock, don't you? Yes, it's yeah. a it's a character. It's bizarre. I like the way Stuart fell when you, and there's many uh, uh, you know a high shot looking down. Um, yes. um, <coughs> he fair skips along as Elvis oh, yeah. Centauri. Yeah. He, he, he's almost skipping. Um, I think he I think he quite enjoyed doing it. You know. I think so. I, I imagine this is a, a change from the norm. For yeah, him. yeah. He's I don't just falling over. No, I, I don't think he felt a knob yeah. doing it. Well. <laughs> it might have felt a knob from the inside, but yeah, um, yeah. It, Do you know why I, he's in it, by the way? Why he's in it? Why he's it, in it? Uh, presumably, they thought they needed some sort of stuntman to do it. Or? Well, apparently, the the originally the the person inside it was also going to be doing the voice. Oh, right. But right. then they thought that'd be too tough on an actor, and a yeah. stuntman would be more likely to handle the strain of you know yeah. wearing that bloody great fiberglass knob end and uh, skip around in that outfit. So, yeah, that's why he's in it, and, he, and, he, and, and Alpha Centauri was voiced separately. Yeah, which I think makes sense, because can you imagine if, if, well, it wouldn't have been Stuart Fell, but say the actor was in it, it would, they would have been huffing and puffing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, uh, yeah, that wouldn't have worked, I think. Although saying that, I'm not a fan of the voice. I'm not a fan of the, the voice. voice. No, it, it's irritating. Um, I'm not yeah. f- a fan of the six arms, where you can clearly see no. that each pair is linked together by a bit of string. So when you move the top one, the other two below it move as well. Yeah. Again, though, this is an alien. We don't know that that's how that alien is. I, I, I might just be vestig- vestig- vestigious or whatever arms, and vestig- they have to yeah. move like vestigial. Whatever vestigial. The that's the word. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I just can't see Alpha Centauri flying the spaceship. No. You know, they could have done though, because it's quite a it's quite a bulky costume. It it reminds me of um, the Vorlons from uh, Babylon Five. Do you remember them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this. Yep. Um, they could have had this. This is going to sound off, but they could have had like a young kid or something in front of Stuart Fell using the other set of arms. So you got two. You know, that would have been amazing. Yeah. Yep. They could have fitted other people in there. I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps that wouldn't have gone down well. No. No, but I, I mean, Alpha Centauri is what it is, you know, yes. and, and, oh, yeah. and, and, and totally linked with this story, and that's why there was a repeat appearance, you know, for Monster of Peladon. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a, beloved, a, a beloved character. I mean, it appears again in, um, in Empress of Mars as well. In yes, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, a, as an awful CGI. Well, Alpha's not happy about the whole affair of no. Torbis being killed, um, and somebody's responsible. It's all very Journey to Babel, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, it is very much. I wonder if that was in Brian Hales' mind. Well, you know, Star Trek had been yeah. out for quite a few years by that point. I, I, yeah, it was, it was big in sort of 
71, 72. So. Because that was a coming together of different cultures yes. and different planets, you know. And lots of dodgy costumes, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but meanwhile, the Doctor and Joe, they found this tunnel in the cliff face. Yes. Um, and so that, that they're making their way down it. And then we go back to the conference room and there he is. There's Arcturus. Arcturus, yes. In, in all his... I mean, it's so weird that, that a mechanical box creature like this still manages to have a big 1970s collar doesn't it? That, it. What like, is the point of that? Is I it, don't know. Is he trying to get like a, a suntan? That's what they used to do if well, you wanted a suntan. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. He, um, yeah, Arcturus. He's. Uh, I like his voice. His voice is good. Um, but I do wonder how how this species evolved. Ah, well, um, my, my question was because later on he says there's been damage to my memory circuits. So yeah. is Arcturus? I mean. Whatever species he's from, is this like you know he's been in a battle and this is all that's left of that, him? That I've I've got this yeah I've got that written down. So is 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 this how he's meant to be, or is this like a life support system? You know, like oh that what that awful Max whatever it was. Oh, a Max episode. Capricorn. Yeah, Max Capricorn. Is it like that that? The reason he looks like a head in a box is because that's all that's left of him is his yeah, head. Yeah, that's one thing. He's he, yeah. he's gone beyond being cyborg. He's just like yeah. a head in a box, like that Max. would that would make so much more sense than that. Again, somehow this creature has managed to evolve to the point of being super intelligent and you know uh, sentient, all that sort of thing, but still needs all this stuff to survive. Because like, what what? How did you get to this point? Well, it is Samon again, isn't it? it you is, know, Samon yes. Sa with his withered little body. I mean, Arcturus. If you look closely, it's not just like tentacles he's got round him. He's got there are a couple of little claws on the yes. end of those tentacles. I was just thinking, do you think he's got a little withered body dangling down into that box? Might well be. I've, I've got the original sketches by oh. Ian Schoons, but that doesn't show a little body. Um, but uh, yeah, he is similar to Max Capricorn, much better done than Max Capricorn, oh, and much more yeah. believable. And this is like <laughs> well, God knows how many years before, yeah, four, you know? forty years before, and it's uh, well, 50, probably fifty years. Um, and it's yeah, totally, totally believable, more so than Max. It Capricorn. is fifty years ago. Yeah, 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 years, yeah. But but Bad, yeah, you know, and I mean Arcturus. I can remember finding him quite disconcerting. Uh, yeah. when I was little. I still really like him now. And like you say, the voice is very good. Apparently they went with that style of voice rather than like a a, a whispery, you know, yeah. creepy voice. Because they were trying to take it back a bit because they thought that it would be a bit too strong. I love the liquid that intermittently yes. spurts. Yeah. I mean, it, that basic, that they did that. They had two domes, didn't they? Yeah. One dome yes, two, inside two the domes. other and it, and it was pumping but around. It's great. I mean, I, I remember loving him in the book. In the book, he's... he's He's sort of really good, but yeah, I I don't think he disappoints when you see him. Um, he works as a creature. Um, you know, the, I, but the head, the head is not the most uh, sort of convincing. Now you said it was yeah. a old Ogron mask. Yes, or yeah, something. yeah. So that's that's what that's what I've read is that it's a it's a an Ogron mask that was used. I don't know if it is, because if you look at the sketches that Ian Schoons did, it's very, very close to, you know, what we finally got. And 
Um, it, I mean, it's basically a green skull, isn't it? Yes. With bulging yeah. eyes. But what I find very creepy is if you look at his mouth, um, it's stitched up. He's got stitching uh, where his mouth should be. Did you notice that? I didn't notice, no. He, yeah, uh, he still, I mean, he still manages to speak. He, he, yeah, but he's got speech circuits, obviously, you know. Um, but well, he, I suppose yeah. that's it. The, the, yeah, the, the speech could be totally synthetic, couldn't it? Yeah. I mean, he's quite animated. He moves. This head moves around quite a bit in that box, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. He. I don't know who's. I. I didn't write down who's actually in this box. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I was yeah. going to save the information be up oh, behind okay. the scenes. So, but I'll tell you now, shall I? Yeah. Because I've got Ian Schoons uh, opened up again. All right. He says this is quite a length, lengthy quote. He says, um, blah blah blah. Agador was handled by the costume department, as were the Ice Warriors, but visual effects designed and built Arcturus because he's, he was regarded as a mechanical effect due to the water being pumped around his casing. I can't recall if somebody gave me or Bernard, he's talking about Bernard Wilkie there, a brief on Arcturus's appearance or whether there was a detailed description of him in the script. Either way, we produced a mobile life support unit for this deformed skull and included a visible liquid cooling system of some kind to enhance the effect. Barry Letts had seen and given the okay to my original designs of the creature, but, creature, but once the thing was made, he expressed concern that the thing was too horrific. There were frequent contradictions of that nature. The management team would ask you to design a terrifying and believable monster, and then they would express concern that it might be too frightening for the younger viewers. The reason they gave Arcturius that stupidly high-pitched voice was to take the horrific edge off the character. <laughs> right? And then one last bit. One last bit. He says, In the studio, the Arcturius casing was occupied by one of the Dalek operators, a small red-faced Irish bloke called Murphy Grumbar. I always oh, used right. to call I know him... that name. Yeah, he says, I always used to call him Gumboil instead of Grumbar. <laughs> Calling into the casing, are you all right inside there, Gumboil? To check that he was all right. This was a purely an affectionate nickname which Murphy took in good spirit. I always try to have fun on the shows and inject some interaction between the cast and the crew a good working atmosphere made any production more enjoyable to work on so there you go so it was gumboil murphy gumboil murphy yeah because again yeah he puts a lot of effort in to this mm. but ev everyone's sort of um putting their all into it aren't they there's no lackluster sort of performances no none at all yeah none at all yeah well i've done about the guy inside the agador suit yeah who I, I couldn't believe it right at the end when you see him come into Fuma, it's tiny. Ah, oh, <laughs> yeah, he's tiny. I, I always forget that. I yeah. mean, when, when you first see him, you know the camera's down low looking yeah. up at him, it, and oh, it's, it's all massive, moody lighting. Yeah. And yeah, he's like a, just like a big uh, teddy bear, basically, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite surprising. Again, shows the benefits of um, of good filming. What we do see next, though, is uh, a very impressive Agador, isn't it? It's the statue. Yes. Yeah, which yeah. is. Um, I wonder if that survived. That'd be nice to have, wouldn't it, in a garden? It was nice. I mean, I mean, yeah. somebody went to a lot of trouble carving yeah. that, didn't they? Yeah, it's not, it's not your normal, your normal sort of uh, cheap shoddy job. It's, I imagine a lot of effort's gone into it. It reminds, it reminds me a bit, you know, on the um, talents of Wen Chiang on the the 
Who's Doctor Who documentary about the making of it, and they showed the guys cutting it with hot wires and. Mm. And it was definitely the BBC had that down to an art form, didn't they? Yeah, all these craftsmen and that, and they're all gone yeah. now, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they're they're in the shrine, aren't they? To Agador, they find this shrine to Agador, and they almost bump into an ice warrior who's like shuffling yes. down the uh, corridor. Now, of course. I don't remember, I don't think I did watch the Patrick Troughton stories, you know, when they first uh, were transmitted. So I'm guessing this would have been my first experience of yeah. an ice warrior. Same, same for me. I mean, I, I, uh, I read the, I, I can't remember whether I read the Ice Warriors novelization first before the Curse of Paladin. I don't think so. But yeah, this was certainly my first uh, sort of TV looking at an ice warrior. Because there was just no way to see the black and white stuff. They never repeated it or anything. No. Um, but yeah, it's it's really impressive. This is uh, Sonny Caldenares, isn't it? Who who's appeared in quite a few programmes. I like. Um, who's a massive guy, but even he's not tall enough no. to fit into Bernard Breslow's costume. No, no, it's no. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you say amazing. You've got Islia as well, haven't you? Oh, and, yeah, Islia. Oh. Islia, sorry. He, I think yeah. he's my favourite in yes. this. Hundred um, percent. Um, yeah, he's brilliant. It's, I mean, uh, it's Alan Benlian, and That's uh, right. yeah. So I, I think he is probably actually. I will. I'll say he's the best thing in this program. Yes, and that's I agree. not that's not sort of faint praise for the rest because the rest of it is really up to high standards. Just that he's head and shoulders. He's acting his heart out. His mask is great. His costume's great, and I always remember when when they released Seeds of Death, which was one of the very early ones. It was either the second or third <coughs> VHS ever released. It was like thirty nine quid, Joe. And I remember watching it, and he's absolutely amazing in that as well. Mm. He's he's so good as this Ice Lord character. And you know, but this time he's in colour. Um, but yes. yeah, you know, it's quite a garish green. But um, the way everything's lit. He looks great. Yeah. Um, it, only sometimes do you see his eyes through the red lenses. Yeah, um, I think there's there's one shot. I think it's in episode three or might be episode four. There's one shot in the throne room where the lighting's off, and you you his can face see his eyes. Very yeah, very like say garish green. You can see that the colours don't match on his lips with the costume, and you can see his eyes through the thing. And it's like, but other than that, it's lit perfectly. Yeah, there's it's one moment when yeah. he's talking to Joe. And it's lit so well, you can't see his mouth yes. or his chin. It's yeah. just his helmet yeah, that you when, can it's see. When, it's when she's, yeah, he's interrogating her and she's interrogating him and they finally come to this, oh, we've misjudged each other. It's a gorgeous scene. Uh, but yeah, it's perfectly lit. It's, I was watching it. I was watching that very scene and thinking, oh, God, this is, was this an accident? It can't be, surely. There Someone's is one duff this. moment with him which I'll point out to um, right. when, when it happens, <coughs> all right. But, yeah, I mean, he, he of course, mistakes the Doctor for the Earth Delegate. Oh, you've got yes. to be the Earth Delegate, you know. Um, and so the Doctor starts no bluffing it. No need for psychic paper back then? No, right? no, he just bluffs it, doesn't he? He and bluffs it. He goes, yeah, yeah, of course I am. Yeah, yeah and uh, Joe's good because she's Princess yeah. Josephine of TARDIS, isn't she? Well, again, these... This must be happening on an almost daily occurrence to these characters, that they, you know, they go to a place where they're not known, and so it's lovely that they both slot straight into it. Pertwee is great because he loves this, this being in charge lark, doesn't he? Mm. He's 
the third doctor is so good in this again one of the best third doctor performances as well i think and his outfit's he's good totally as well lovable in this yeah the outfit's great yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. some of his tartans and that and some of his stuff didn't work but yeah he's he's yeah totally lovable in this yes so yeah such a great great performance yep so episode one ends with the toppling of the statue that's our first cliffhanger yes. um and he saves everybody's life um and um hepesh is quoting saint paul talking about how you know faith can move mountains and everything yeah. you know um but uh but he still maintains it's the spirit of agador i do love and it's it's a great i mean i'm presuming brian hale was uh, was was at least heading towards being an atheist, like almost all writers are. Um, in that he's got no respect for religion. I love the fact that it's like when they it said uh, they it failed to kill them, and then Havish goes, "Well, he was showing you mercy." <laughs> it's great. It is that sort of logic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, Arcturus wants the uh, conference cancelled immediately. Yes. Doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. He wants out. He wants yes. To. Yeah. But the, he, the king he, still wants it to go ahead, the negotiations. Or they? What, Arcturus? Oh, no, Arcturus is he. Sorry, I was thinking it was, um, it was uh, Alpha Centauri. I, got, I think yeah, it's got to be yeah. a them for Alpha them, Centauri. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ar Arcturus wants it over. Um, which, given his, his plans later on, I'm not sure that sort of fits in with what he wanted later on, because I'm presuming... Well, I don't know, because his original plan, I suppose, was that one of them would have been killed, the uh, Ice Warriors would have been blamed, yeah. the Federation starts to break up, and then Arcturus's government moves into Paladon and says, uh, we'll be your mates, Yes. we'll have all your minerals. This is a this is something that Serverland would do. Oh, definitely. Well, it yeah. did do in one of them. It I can't did, remember. Yeah, Something yeah. about the, the Federation would go in and you know help out and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, but then we go all very Agatha Christie, don't we? Because Joe wanders off and finds a clue. Um, yes. This electronic key to a spaceship made from tricillerate or whatever it is. Yeah. Which, which is luckily only found, found on, on Mars. Mars. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I I got a few questions about this sequence because it's like I. It, I know you can't help it because the, the, the sets were quite limited. But how does no one see Grun toppling that statue? Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's literally, it, it's just above head height. I'm sure you'd see this man in a nappy, you know, with a big pole trying to topple a statue on you. <laughs> um, but then Joe goes up there and there's, yeah, this, this little thing's left there. Um, I do like this, again, this is the sequence where they just, the doctor just looks at her and does an eye signal. Yes. And off she goes and does it. And it's, it's nice. I like this. I like when companions actually, you know, sort of do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, shortly after that, we've got a panicking up tourist because yes. um, um, uh, his alarm starts going off. Someone's sabotaged Arcturus. Yes. Um, and uh, it's his life support system that's all failing. Or yeah, they think I, so, don't they? They think so. I do love the fact that it sort of predates how people treat car alarms doesn't it now because it's going off it's going, and they're all just looking at each other and it's like oh oh we better look yeah but it's like no one really cares at the time um but yeah the doc so the he he's sort of um having spasms and that as far as a, a head in the box can 
Um, the doctor opens a panel immediately. I mean, he's never seen this guy before. No. He immediately says, such and such is missing. Um, and start, he says, it's like, basically, I'm going to rewire it. Because um, the others come in and they think he's sabotaging yeah. it, don't they? Well, again, yeah, uh, Islia comes in and it's like, what are you doing? Um, but again, Islia is so brilliantly, so intelligently written as an intelligent character that he could have easily been just a thug, couldn't he? Yeah. Um, but he's not. He sort of he's okay. Give the doctor his time. He might be telling the truth. I do like that. Um, uh, Joe says to the doctor, "What? What's that part that's missing?" And the doctor goes, "Oh, it's a, it's a little clear box full of very delicate circuitry." And then when we see it later <laughs> on, it's the most jumbo thing going. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, also, I mean, the the doctor manages, you know, to calm things down, um, and he says, "Whoever did this has got to be sophisticated and know what they're doing." Yes. Because anyone brutal, basically, they would have just smashed the dome in and, and killed Arcturus that way. Yeah. So the uh, yeah, the inference is it's the Martians, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, again, I, I'm presuming who did Arcturus get to do this? Was it Grun? Do you reckon? Or do you reckon he got Hepesh to do it? It must have been Hepesh. Yeah, because you wouldn't want Grun. Grun's not that about bright, minutes, is he? Would you? No, no. no. Um, so yeah, so presumably he's got Hamish to it, but yeah, so again, quite a quite a clever plan that he's also setting up the Ice Warriors without without um, accusing them himself. He's letting everyone else make the supposition. Yeah, you know. yeah. I'm, I'm guessing Arcturus is lying when he says that his memory circuits have failed. Yeah, yeah. He knows. He well, I do of... like he. Yeah, he goes. Um, it happened so quickly. I couldn't see who it was, and it's like, but the. The panel is in front of you. Yes. <laughs> that they nick the thing out of. We haven't mentioned his, yeah. uh, you know, uh, well, it's not groin placed, but, you know, yeah. uh, rather phallic weapon which pops out as yeah. well. Uh, he's got one of them as well, hasn't he? He has, yeah. He's got, he's got a little protuberance. Yes, yeah. <laughs> gun. What it's we're missing out of this tale yeah. is the mushy stuff. Uh, this, this, this growing attraction for King Pelador to Joe Grant. Yes. Um, now I think I think I think from Joe Grant's point of view, I mean I don't know why. I mean let let's look at her track record then. So she wants to go out on a date with Mike Yates, the wettest man in history. And then she starts to fall for Peladon, the wettest man yes. in space. Um her her choice of men is quite strange. But I don't really think that Peladon is falling for Joe. I, you don't. You, yeah. No, I don't think it's genuine. I think he's he's just seeing it as an opportunity. I I because he's so he's so horrible about the blatantness of it. I yeah. I'm not sure. I think this is this is a he's viewing it as a political marriage, which is as it would have been. You know. Yes, I suppose. King, kings and kings didn't marry for love, did they? They it was all political. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't trust him. I don't right. think he's, he loves Joe at all. So what would think, have happened to her then, do you think? I, th I think she would be... Because what's, honestly, what sort of life would she have here? Because basically your royal women back then, you know, because this is basically the Ward of Roses type era, isn't it, in yeah. UK history. Um, they would have been sewing and filling their days with with you know, nonsense and 
not allowed to do anything. I could see that within about a month of marrying her, Peladon's going to have two or three mistresses on the go. Yeah. And she's relegated to why the hell are you not having a baby yet? Because mm. that's exactly what throughout history, unfortunately, has been the case. But yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't trust him. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, talking about Joe, she goes off and she finds, yeah, that uh, magic box of tricks in yes. the uh, in the Martian's locker in the yes. in the Martian's room. They've got a lovely snazzy footlocker, haven't they? Yeah, it's covered silver. In, yeah, yeah covered I mean, in silver bits. This is in the future because it's silver. All yes. lockers are silver. Um, and then she goes off. She's she's menaced by Agador. Yep. Down in the tunnels, um, and then shortly afterwards, the Doctor gets chased by Agador as well. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know what Agador's doing when when people are not down there, but yeah, he seems to conveniently turn up. Yeah. When, that that when scene... needed to. Yeah, yeah. That scene we were talking about when, you know, is Is-a-Lear or What's his name? Islia. Islia. I can't say it. Yeah. Um, you know, is talking to Joe, you know, when all you see is the helmet in the darkness and everything. Yeah. That's at the moment where he tells Joe that the attempt on Arcturus's life wasn't lethal. Yeah. And then when she starts accusing, you know, uh, the Ice Warriors, that's when we have this really nice scene where we find out that they have renounced violence. Yes. I wish they'd have gone a bit more with this because immediately in Monster Peladon they go, oh no, we're back to being evil. Mm. Um, I, I, I think this is a great, a great thing. This, because this predates like befriending the Klingons in Star Trek and all that sort of stuff. I would love to have seen the Ice Warriors become like the police of the galaxy. Mm. You know, because I, lo I love the. F I think Isley is so well written and well acted and he's honourable and he's clever he's like Columbo in a sense he's worked it all out already ahead of the Doctor yep um, he should have got a spin-off show him him. can you imagine him as like a detective inspector and uh, Sorg as his sergeant it yeah. would have been Minder before Minder they are a, a, a wasted race aren't they yes you oh, know. yeah definitely they're, they're generally I think after this appearance they're just used as heavies aren't they yeah it's a shame I mean even at um, you know in the Doctor Who you know weekly comic you know the yeah. um, the Abs Absalom yeah. Dak comics uh, there was a nice worry in that but he, yeah. he really didn't do much you know no he, he was he lit weirdly he literally was um, he was uh, uh, sort of um, the carry on Bernard Breslau to yeah. Absalom Dark Sid, wasn't he? Yes. He was the comic relief big yeah. tall guy. Um, but yeah, there was so much potential in the Ice Warriors. I know Pertwee hated them, didn't he? He absolutely detested the Ice Warriors because he thought they were just stupid. Mm. Um, but I, I I like them. I think they, they work no, really he, well. No, he's really um, good here. Yeah. Um, during this scene, I mean, all the while, the Doctor's being chased by Agador. Yes. The very slow, shum shambling Agador, and the well, Doctor's we, running, but he still seems yeah. to be getting caught up on. Yeah, because we know later on when we see Agador, he's got tiny little legs. Yep. Um, I imagine the Doctor must have kept stopping and waiting for him. Come on. I love the fact <laughs> as well that, so the Doctor, doctor sees this doorway um, and he uses the old torch thing, and then when it opens into the the um, the, the, the sort of church set you know the, the whatever they the call shrine it. thing the shrine yeah 
Um, it's just a 1970s uh, council door on the other side. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's like, wow. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, he's in the shrine. He's found in the shrine, yes. and, and, and Peladon's got no choice but to uh, sentence him to death because yeah, it's sacrilege. That- that's the end of the episode, isn't it? It's um, that's the end of episode yeah, two. Yeah, there's no, there's it, the the law allows for no defence against this. Um, we're going to kill you. Yeah. It, what what I don't understand as well is at this point, um, Paladon has no knowledge about any of these secret tunnels or anything. No. But he's grown up in this castle. Yes. And he's he's found out about it. I, I mean, sorry, he's found yeah. out. He found finds out about them because that's when the doctor tells him that you've got this yeah. whole network of hidden tunnels. Now, Peladon should have at that point said, "Well, show me one then." Yeah, because that that's the the clincher here, isn't it? Is that the that the the doctor's on trial for his life, and he he says, uh, "I was in the secret tunnels." What secret tunnels? They don't exist. All they needed to do was the doctors go. I'll show you. Come on. Yeah, let's go back to that um, shrine. I'll show yeah. you the I'll show you the council house door. I think it's the only clunky bit of plot in in this is that that fact. It's like because they need to get to the they got to give poetry a fight, so they need to get to that scene. It's like it you're screaming at the telly, aren't you? It's like when you see a bad courtroom drama, and it's like just go and show him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I mean, he is let off. He's going to he's yeah. going to suffer trial by combat in yes. the pit with Grun shortly. But meanwhile, Hepesh <laughs> gives the Doctor a map of the tunnels, yeah, and tells him to leave. They've they, they've gone down to the bottom of the cliff. They've got the TARDIS, brought that back up. God knows how they managed. Oh, some um, poor peasants there. Yeah. After and he says, up. "Look, just go." And he says, "You know, he fears the Federation will exploit yeah. Peladon and ruin everything." This and is where he becomes much, much more than just your your normal religious nut job, isn't it? Yeah, because, because it, there's a bit of sympathy with him. You, he's trying to do what he thinks is right. He doesn't really want anyone to get killed, although he was happy enough when his brother croaked. Yeah, and he was going to kill them earlier. But yeah, he he's not an idiot. He knows that if the Doctor dies, then the Federation is just going to nuke the planet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's. I think he's. He's again multi-layered and a great acting from this guy. Yeah. I don't know what else he's been in, but he's. Yeah, he's really good. Very believable. He's giving it his all. No one's. No one's sending it up. No, no one's amazing. being silly. Yeah, amazing. Given the costumes on show. Yeah. The the, the silliest thing is Alpha Centauri's voice. Yes. But that's about it. Um, but he, he's. Do you, I was thinking that. Did, was the, do you know whether the voice was played in on the studio like they used to do with the Daleks or whether the voice was put on? It must after? be because everybody else is reacting, yeah. you know, yeah, in time. Perfectly to it. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, Hepesh, of course, he makes a mistake there because he, he lets slip, doesn't he, to the Doctor that he's not working alone. Yeah. It's at that point. The doctor the immediately like, picks uh-huh. it up. It's the Columbo. Yeah. Oh, just one more thing. Yes. Um, yeah, he, he knows. And he. He tries to get him to do the villain thing. So you might as well tell me your plans now. And Hepish is like, "Nah, bugger off. Yeah. Not that. Not not that stupid." <laughs> um, did you get a, a very much a Flash Gordon feel from from these later episodes? Not in a bad way, but in a this very much reminded me of Mongo and the different races. And, oh yeah, you know, yeah. The fight in the pit and that, and it's like. Oh. Well, just the tunnels and the, you know the yeah, secret torch yeah. that you you know move the torch and and the door swings open. That's all very flash Gordon as well. Can you imagine if um, 
if Agador had been played by Brian Blessed. Agador and not and not Hepesh. Yeah, yeah not Hepesh, no, Agador. <laughs> <laughs> he could do the roaring all right, he could, couldn't he? He'd be great, yeah. Yeah. Well, the doctor's just about to go down there because he's he's got the map of the tunnels, but he's got his hypnotizing mirror. Yes. This thing. Now, another quote from from Ian. All right. Yeah. He says another item which got reused from Century Twenty One was a spinning device oh. or aerial of some kind, which I had removed from the fuselage of a model aeroplane. This spinner became the top piece of a redesigned sonic screwdriver, which I think was seen in this story. Then he says, uh, Bernard Wilkie was in charge of the show's effects, but this was at a time when it was the assistants who did all the work. Bernard would sit in the studio gallery with the producer and director, whilst Brian Marsh, Tony Harding and myself were down on the studio floor working and preparing all the effect sequences. And that's something that you've said before. Bernard Wilkie was more a figurehead, wasn't he, for the department, yeah, rather definitely. than you know, down there getting all dirty and oily. Yeah, which is... I think that's very apt that, you know, if you're in a management position, you should be managing people, not doing the shop floor stuff. But it was the fact that he used to take the credit as if he had built it. Yes. That's what used to annoy me. Yeah, I, and um, I think it would have annoyed yeah. an awful lot of the effects bots. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I do love I do love the fact that, and this is how fan theories build up and, and you know, supposition becomes fact, is the fact that uh, Ian Skins then said, because... It's a long, tall, thin tube. He goes, oh, it, it was used for a, another, an updated version of Sonic Screwdriver, which is obviously not meant to be no. at all. But you could see how that would then fit into... Fans would hear that interview, oh, it's different. And then eventually you get to the point where this is a Sonic Screwdriver. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. No, it's um, not. Isalia, or whatever his name is, he's talking to Joe. Um, he yes. says that Arcturus is a coward by logic. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, Alpha won by instinct, and he is voting to stay. The doctor saved his life, and he intends to repay the debt. Like you said, he is an honourable Martian, isn't he? Very honourable, yeah. I, I, I like this character. Yeah, this is a, yeah. The doctor saved his life. He's going to save the doctor's life at all odds. Yeah. Um, this sequence is is sort of built up in the book as well. This this little passage in that because. I think at one point um, Sorg offers the Doctor for the fight to use his sonic cannon, <laughs> and it's, it's really nice. But I love this that the Ice Warriors are, are honourable. Oh, yeah, the it's, it's really, really good. What's really good as well is while they're having this conversation, Arcturus is outside the door eavesdropping. Yeah. The only thing that can make that better would have been if Arcturus had actually put his ear up to the dome, yeah. <laughs> pressed his ear had, right up yeah. the way up. Had the uh, had the, the the suit allowed that, I'm sure they would have done it. He's not the so most uh, he's not the most secretive or surreptitious of espionage. No, because then he trundles he? off and yeah. nobody uh, really notices. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, the Doctor meets Agador, and this is where yes. we have the Venusian lullaby, don't we? Yes, uh, yeah. Which I I've ever since we've watched it, I've been singing to Anne to annoy her. <laughs> With the Pertwee's loving this, and it he was so he good is. at this sort of stuff. He's loving it, yeah. He's singing, and it's it's sort of a it's a bolderized version of the tune for God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Yeah, and it? he and that was John Pertwee's decision to to yeah. set it to that because you know they were filming it in December, and you know everything was very Christmassy. So he set it to yeah, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Yeah, which is I think an absolute 
great move because it's such a memorable little thing. And Pertwee sells this, isn't it? I mean, basically, you've got you've got a man spinning a torch, <laughs> a man in a gorilla suit with a dinosaur head, while singing it a lullaby, and it's gripping, and you believe every minute of it. Yep, that's yep. good acting. That's yep. good. I love as well that Pertwee describes. Uh, uh, Agador is he's a solid hairy fact <laughs> I love that <laughs> I like the idea that the doctor's been to Venus to learn lullabies yeah. I mean Venus well, is yeah, a hideously um, hot poisonous yeah. place <laughs> but they must have quite a thing because you've got Venetian, Venetian lullabies Venetian um, uh, Aikido Aikido <laughs> um, yeah it's uh, it's it must be. It must have quite an industry there. Yes. Yeah. We never see the Doctor on Venus, do we? In no. any story. So no, that is think... still to be told. Oh, I bet there's a. There'll be a, a novel about. There'll be a big finish. Something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But I mean, it's a lovely scene. It's spoilt by Joe, who comes along and you know shoes yeah. him away with a flame. But then we got the lovely scene of Joe being hypnotised. Yes. As well, and that's a really nice moment. It is, yeah. It's, it's again because the do- the doctor is very gruff with Joe, and you do feel sorry for it. But then he sort of smiles and twinkles, and it's it's like you immediately forgive him. Yeah, yeah. So off they go. They that that they burst into the throne room, um, yeah. and he, the doctor says that he's brought a message from Agador. Yeah. He's no spirit. He's a noble beast. Uh, being used and of course you know Hepesh is all against this yeah um, that's for me yeah and he says I've seen him down in the tunnels and yet again the king yeah. doesn't say show me the tunnels then yeah what tunnels let's go and have a look let's 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 adjourn for 10 minutes we ain't got to be that tight on schedule let's show me these tunnels what would if Paladon had said that what would Hepesh have done yeah because yeah Hepesh has said all along there are no tunnels there are we're, no tunnels. What are you talking would, about? Will you have to feign surprise and go, well, the doctor must have dug these. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, instead, he says, no, the combat goes ahead, and yeah. that's when we have Terry yeah, we've Walsh. Print, we've printed the flyers already, so yeah. Yeah, you've got to fight him. Um, is this Doctor Who inventing um, MMA cage fighting? Do you think that's a, this is the origin? It could well so. be. Yes. Yeah, because it, 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 it's, it's a... It's a much, much better sequence, this, than the very, very similar one in The Three Doctors, mm. you know, where he's fighting that imp thing. Yeah. Um, it's actually not a bad fight. It's quite, it's quite well choreographed, because it's on film, I suppose. But it's so painfully obvious it's not Pertwee or the other guy. No. no. It. It's on film because we're at Ealing. Um, yes. That was filmed in, <coughs> in, actually in the water tank. Uh, Ealing. Uh, that's why it's all blacked out around it. I wondered, um, yeah, what a weird thing. I wonder why it was meant to be a... Because it look, it does look like a swimming pool, doesn't it? A yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so they have this fight, all all, all good fun and everything. Um, and uh, episode three ends really oddly because you get this really fast, quick cut of Arcturus's gun coming out, yeah. and then a very quick cut of the Ice Warriors' gun firing, and that's the end of it. And you, yeah. even now you go, yeah. what? What? Well, I suppose the idea is that you're meant to think that Arcturus is shot. But they linger on the Ice Warrior gun for just long enough that you go, that's the Ice Warrior gun. Yes. So you can sort of work out what happens. Yeah. I can't work out what happens beginning of episode four because you see the result of that. You see the yeah. dead Arcturus, um, which seems yeah, to no, be... there's no recap 
as a showing the stuff again, is there? Really? No, it, you bang it's, straight it's into it, and and you've got the remains of Arcturus, which seems to be a bit of goo stretched out over the dome with an eyeball just placed on top. Yeah. Don't look anything like what he did look like. No, no, it's uh, it's it's not a noble end for a character, really. No, so um, you know, Hepesh legs it at that point. You see him run away. Yeah. And, and then you get this terrible line from Joe Grant saying, so, Arcturus was behind all of it or something, you know? Yeah. And it's like... Oh. He would have got away with it if it were for those pesky <laughs> yes. kids as well. I do love um, that, I think it's Islia says at one point on the Doctor Does, where it's like, why was he doing it? And he goes, Arcturus lacked minerals, which just uh, reminds me of, like, um, Lockstock, where, obviously, Cockney, you know, your balls are your minerals. Um, and I thought, every time I hear it, I think, what poor Arcturus, <laughs> he's got no balls. Um, the, the, the Doctor, somehow, like you said earlier, it, it, he, somehow he knows all this. He knows that yeah. you know Arcturus was in league with Hepesh. He knows that the attempt on Arcturus's life was fate. Yeah. Islier also knows that as well. Um, and that's when the Doctor says, yeah... Hepesh has gone up into the mountains, you know. Yeah. Found he's one. Got a yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's a strange. He's pulling this out of his uh, his backside. It's he? an he's Avon no thing. We don't know yeah. any of this at all. Yeah. And everyone goes, "Oh, it must be true. It must be true." Um, my one, my one criticism that I think stops this this uh, show from being near on perfect is that episode four is almost pure filler. Yes. So it's like the story's run out at this point, and it's like, oh. And we do. It does become a bit of of ex, exposition for stuff we already know. Yeah. And then and then this sort of boring. Hepesh wants to overthrow. Yeah, we go Aladon into the civil war, thing. don't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, and that's not very interesting um, because they think that Hepesh is still a threat. He's going to, um, yep. you know, he's going to um, accuse the Ice Warriors of murdering Arcturus, but it's Hepesh's yep. word against. An ice lord, you know who? who are the yeah, ice? Can, so, can you imagine the the Federation that they get a message from their trusted and probably quite high up in the organisation delegates who say this happened, and then what they get like a scroll from Hepesh who says no, 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 actually this happened. <laughs> they're not they're not exactly going to go well. We, we're not going to trust the people we've put into positions of power, are we? No. Yeah, I don't know what Hepesh's plan is here. No, I don't. Um, know, I don't know how that could lead to war. No. Um, but uh, all the while, Grunt is still stood there. Now, yeah. Grunt, Grunt is a bad guy, is he not? He's he, he's a, a mate of Hepesh's, and um, he's attempted to kill them all. Yes. But this, yeah, this this is strange. It's like. He's been bad all the way through. He's tried to kill him. But then on the turn of a sixpence, we're meant to go, oh, but he was under duress or something. No, you're, you're still a horrible person. But the, the doctor now sort of trusts him, don't he? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I would almost, <clears throat> if I didn't know better, I'd almost say that Brian Hales gave them a three-episode story and then someone else came along and go, well, we can't have three episodes. We've got to have four. 
and someone else has written this last episode. Yeah, because the whole, it yeah, as I say, like, the Civil yeah. War bit, yeah, it feel, does feel tacked on, doesn't it? <coughs> it yeah. does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they find out they can't communicate. All their ships are in orbit, aren't they? they, they they've all come yeah. down via shuttles, and uh, all their ships are in orbit, but Sorg, uh, the Ice Warrior, has found his communicator has been smashed, and Alpha Centauri is going hysterical because yep. they're cut off and that's at that point that's when the coup starts yeah um, but and what annoys me as well is despite all this happening Peladon knows what's Hapesh is like what he's done all the things he's threatening right? and he still thinks the best of him hmm I mean, it shows Peladon is a bit of a weak old leader yes yeah yeah the coup has started hasn't it yes. at the same yeah. time the doctor has found Agador again and uh, hypnotised him again. Yes, yeah, properly this time. He sang the full lullaby. Yeah, and uh, Hepesh has gone to the, visit the delegates and said, you know, they've got to go with him or Peladon will die. Yes. Um, and that's when the Doctor takes the hypnotised Agador back up. And, um, you know, Hepesh is just saying, look, just go, leave us, leave us. And yep. that's when the Doctor comes in with Agador yeah, with tiny little Agador. In wide shot, in yeah. bright light, and that's the problem, isn't it? Yes, this this is uh, <coughs> this this sequence is is certainly the worst filmed of all of them. Yeah, it's all done in wide shot. It's all done in very bright lighting, and the Agador costume, which up till now has been okay. You know, it's been in darkness. I mean, first suits are always difficult to do um, without it looking like it's made out of faux fur. Um, but this just, yeah, it blows it because you've got this, this tiny little Agador person comes in, like, shuffling in, uh, and it's like, ooh, not quite the majestic beast. No, it, it reminds me here, if you don't look at his head, like, you know, when you, ha like in The Chimp, the Lauren Hardy yes, short, when yes, you have, yeah. you, you, you know, yeah. uh, any silent or, you know, early Hollywood where you have a man in an ape suit, that's exactly yeah. what it looks like. It looks exactly like a man in a fursuit, doesn't it? Yeah. And Hepesh commands Agador yep. to attack the Doctor. And it looks to me like Hepesh just got a thump from Agador, but it's enough to kill him. Yeah, well, I mean, in the novel, Ag Agador's got these super sharp talons, a bit like Wolverine, oh, is he? I suppose. So, yeah, if he swipes at you and cuts you, you're gone. So I think that's what's meant to have happened. Oh, okay. The costume doesn't quite bear it out. Uh, no, no, not at all. Um, so Peladon goes into grieving for this man that's you yes. know been you know plotting behind yeah. his back. And he everything. should he should be uh, he should be glad that he's dead. To be honest, he's betrayed Peladon at every turn. He's lied to him since he was a kid. He killed his best friend. He's tried to plot his downfall. He's already told him that if if he doesn't follow his ways, he will kill him. Yep. Uh, unless he becomes a puppet, and then, yeah, and he's going. Oh, he was such a noble man. It's like, no, he wasn't. No, he's a bit of a drip, old Peladon, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Doctor goes off with Agador, and we get more of that mushy stuff between you know yeah. Joe and the King, who's going to be soon having his uh, coronation, and we know that because we've got stock recordings of crowds cheering. We've yeah. only seen like three rooms, but we're supposed to believe you know the rest of. You know, the yeah, they, they were just somewhere. out of camera shot. Yes, um, I do like as well because because you get you've got the scene where like um, Paladon's asking Joe to stay, 
and uh, and then he, he leaves and then literally within about 30 seconds you've got the cheering and that going on yes it's like what sort of a what sort of coronation is this there's no pomp to it he's just wandered out and immediately crowned yes yeah yeah <laughs> um so they're going to go and see the ceremony, aren't they? The Doctor yes. and Joe. Yeah. Um, but they stop as they've realised the real Earth delegate has turned up. Who is the lady from our opening intro? The lady who goes, Doctor? Doctor who? You know, oh, that's yes, her. Yeah. Yes, she's yeah. the one from our opening intro. Amazonia, she's called yeah. um, um, in the end credits. And, uh, and the inference there is... Uh, in the original script, Brian Hales had it that Earth at that time is a matriarchal society. Oh, right. So she's Amazonia, oh, insisting that she's enough. the real delegate. And here it comes. Uh, I always, yeah, sorry. Go no, I, I was going to say, here comes my uh, uh, only one problem I've got with Islia, is when right. they go off, find the TARDIS, and in long shot, he turns and goes, what is that? And he points in the yeah. most OTT dramatic over-the-top way and then holds it because they got to all stand still while they... Uh, yeah, while the, they wheel uh, off the TARDIS. Oh, while they wheel yeah. the TARDIS off, yes. Yeah, it's not it's not the best of endings. I wonder as well, because it's, it's been so long since I've seen Monster of Peladon. It's one of those stories where I just can't sit through it. It's so boring. Um how do they explain later on? Because the Doctor comes back to Peladon, and everyone remembers it. Oh, it's the Doctor, he saved us. But no one goes, hang on, he was an imposter. I Let's don't know. Him. It's a long time since yeah. I've seen it. So, um, you know, maybe one day we'll come back to Peladon for that one, yeah. for that adversary. Um, but but for today, that's the curse of Peladon over. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and, and a thoroughly uh, enjoyable uh, little romp that was. It was. I mean, it's... Um it's not perfect. Uh, um, very few things are perfect, but it's absolutely what you know. A hundred percent enjoyable. Like I say, I, <coughs> we we sat and watched it, and you know, you get drawn into it. So Anne was very much um, take the Mickey out of the silly costumes, but then rapidly it's like you're drawn into it. Um, yeah, a, a lovely slice of nostalgia. Would you put it on your top ten? Uh, I think I, I think it does deserve to go in the top ten. All right. Um, I should I should really write my top ten down. Um, so what what have I got in? in right, the, going uh, from from yeah. from the bottom upwards. Yeah, right. and we'll see if we where yeah. it will slot. So at number ten, you've got last week's the enemy of the world. Oh right, okay. I said it wouldn't probably wouldn't last long. We <laughs> were right. All right, so it's okay, above it's a, that. Yeah, above that. All right, uh, at number nine at the moment, you've got Attack of the Cybermen. Yeah, above that. Uh, then you've got the Crotons. Uh, what's above that? Uh, Web of Fear. Okay, between the Crotons and the Web of Fear. All right, okay. So and, that and poor old Enemy's Gone. Enemy's Gone, and yeah, Curse of Peladon is your number eight. All right. Yes. All right. I would happily, if you said to me, if this didn't work and you said, oh, we've got to watch it again, I, I wouldn't be worried. I'd go, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, it's going on my list as well. Oh, and wow. This yeah. is a rare, rare thing indeed. Yes, and it's going in at number five. 
Wow. All right, because I do rate it very highly because, you know, I, I, I can remember loving it when I was little, when I was 10, yeah. and I'll watch it again, and I'm 10 again. And, um, you know, it doesn't bother me in the slightest that some of the deficiencies in, oh, you, you, no, you know, right. budget, um, the story carries it along, the performances carry it yes. along, you know? Yeah, I, yeah I've got no qualms about the, you know, the look of it and the... Like say the budget and that, yeah, the story carries you along. I say episode four is a little bit fillerish, but it's interesting filler. It's, mm. not, it's not, like I say, it's not like Monster Peladon, which is just dreadfully dull. Um, what, 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 what is your top five now? Well, my top five. I mean, now both our top tens uh, are all classic Who now. I don't, I don't know if there's ever going to be a point where we are going to get a new Who onto this list. My top five is, uh, at number five, Curse of Peladon. At number four, The Sea Devils. At number three, Horror of Fang Rock. At number two, Robot. And at number one, Pyramids of Mars. That's a solid top five, isn't it? Would you like to know what yours are? Your top yeah, go five. Yeah. Five is, for you, is Tomb of the Cybermen. Four is That's Inferno. It. Three Keys of Marinus, two Pyramids of Mars, and number one Horror of Fang Rock. Yeah, solid. A little bit wider than yours, but yes, yeah, yeah. still solid. I I don't think that a new Who. I mean, we, I might be wrong, but I I can't think of a new Who impinging on that list now. I think you're right. There's too many goodens on there now. Yes, yeah, I you think know. so. It um, it's also it's going to take some strong classic Who to start toppling them isn't it as well yeah 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 all right so that's that um right let's go we've got three adversaries today haven't we we've got yes, hepesh yeah. agador and arcturus and let's do them in that order all right okay. so design wise on hepesh um yeah he it, like like most of the uh, the costumes and designs it's on paper it shouldn't work because you've got a man in sparkly purple fur in a wig that's badger colored um <laughs> so design wise i i think it's about a four for me for Hepesh. that's exactly what i've yeah. got yeah it's slightly below average you know yes. I, I i like the hair streak bit but yeah that that sparkly outfit is screaming glam rock isn't it yes you can see is, brian yeah. ferry on Roxy Music's performances on Top of the Pops, wearing a very similar style yeah. of uh, outfit. Like I say, there's no, there's no reason that there is couldn't be a creature that that uh, that has that fur, but it would have died out in the seventies. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, how effective was Hepish though? Uh, I think I think he's really effective. I, I, what is it? Jeffrey Toombs is the guy's name, I think. Something like Something that. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, or Coombs. Um, I think he's really effective. He's he's given it his all. At no point does he come across as someone taking a Mickey or hamming it up or anything like that. Um, so I, I think he gets he gets a solid seven and a half from me. Oh, you're you're half a point higher than me. I I had um, um, seven, so that's seven point two five for Hepesh. All right, seven point two five plus four divided by two equals. Right, he's five point six. He has okay, an adversary yeah. rating. His, his of, design let him write down. Yes, didn't it? yeah. Lesson. So five point six. He is sharing a caravan. Oh, I'll just put five point six there. Uh, Hepesh is sharing a caravan with 
Professor Stahlman. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Maya. Oh. And yeah. Toberman. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's quite a, quite an evil caravan, that really. It is. It? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. All right. So let's do Agador next. Agador. Thank you. Yes. Uh, what What do you reckon on the the look of Agador? Uh, the design of Agador. I think I've seen a. I think I've seen a sketch of what Agador should have been like. I think it was fairly close. I should have researched that. Um, I think. I think the idea of Agador, the design, is is okay. Um, I mean, fur is always difficult to do, so I'm I'm surprised they went with that. I suppose it's cheap, um, but the face, the faces, the design is quite interesting. Um, I I'll give him. It's a difficult one. I'm going to give him a six for design. Snap again. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I'm tuned tonight. Aren't I? Yeah, it's a little bit more yeah. than average yeah. um they he reminds me especially when you see a close-up of him he could be from out the uh, 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 at the earth's core yes yeah definitely that one of those type creatures you know there. all right so so that there, there he is uh, with a six well, do you think that underneath that fur uh, it looks like caroline Monroe? <sighs> what agador like undoes and yeah. strips off yeah. and <laughs> out comes caroline Monroe. I'd watch that episode, to oh, be fair. If I dream about that tonight, Ian, thank you very yeah. much. Right, so. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're calling out in bed tonight. Agador, Agador. <laughs> it's Caroline Munro. I've, I've got I, an I image. imagine Annalise would go, oh, he's at it again. Yes. I don't think she'd be surprised. I've, you know that moment in Barbarella when she gets out of that yes. big, bulky yeah. um, space suit? That sort yeah. of thing. But it's Caroline Monroe getting out of an Agador furry outfit. I think I think uh, I think well, we could do a Kickstarter campaign to get let's that realised. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. All right, but Agador, how effective is Agador? And we've got to um, take into account not only the moody bits in the tunnel, but that wide yeah. shot. That wide shot kills it because that should be the point that cements this, and it doesn't. It's like, oh, it's, it's not a killer. I do like the early stuff. I, I'm, like I say, I'm, I, I don't think the guy playing Agador is putting as much effort in as, as the other uh, creature sort of performers. Um, it's not, I don't think it's ever going to convince anyone. Although I'd much rather see this than like a modern CGI version of it. Can you imagine oh. it like the werewolf? That would be just awful in other ways. Yeah. Um, but I think I do th it's, a, it's a very mediocre, so I, I, I'm going to give it a five. A five okay. for effectiveness. Yeah, um, I'm not as generous. I gave it a four. Yeah, so the, four the mask is interesting. You're used to seeing it in in drawings and photographs and artwork and that, and you can make out. But when you actually see it, like in the last scene, it's quite well lit. But it's very difficult to make out its actual features. Yeah, yeah. Did you know, by the way, that the original design it, he didn't have black eyes like that he actually did have you know eyes with pupils but he he just oh, looked right. too comical they had to change it yeah. it was too, just making people laugh yeah too yeah. cuddly yeah in, in an episode <laughs> where you've got alpha centauri having agador make you laugh yes. God, yeah that must have been a weird effect maybe they could have one but not yeah. two yeah all right, so agador gets a 5.25 which puts him in a caravan with the war machines 
Okay. And uh, Patin. Oh. Poor, I, I feel I've undervalued Agador now, thinking of Patin. But well, no, okay, I think he'll get on all right. I think he'll be all right. Well, I don't know. I, did Patin eat people? Um, yeah, I think he would eat anything. No, they were worried about being eaten, weren't they? Well, Sorry, those two have been eaten. in that caravan for a long time, so Pating would have eaten the war machines by Definitely. now. Definitely. I think the Pating would have eaten the... As soon as Agador turns out, he's going to eat him as well. Anyway. Yeah, that's it. End of Agador. Oh. Okay, and then finally, Arcturus. Yes, Arcturus. Design of Arcturus, please. Um, it'd be interesting to see you say you've got that original design. I'm not sure I've seen that. To, I'd love to try and track it down. Um, it's I don't know what I don't know whether they were going for like uh, you know this could be the next Dalek or anything like that. Um, he's he's quite boxy. Um, he's like box from Logan's he is, Run, isn't yes, he? Yes, yeah, he's very much like box. Far too many Logan's right angles. Run. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. There's no there's not a lot of curves on him. He'd, you could probably make one, couldn't you, out of plywood fairly easily. Phil um, Stevens should have a go. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. There you go, Phil. There's a there's one for you. Um, it's, oh, this is such a tough one to rate on design. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it because I think it is. It's an interesting design. It's better than like Max whatnot. I don't think it's anything greatly special. So I'm gonna give it a five point five. Five point five. Well, we differ because I've given him a ten. Wow, because I bloody love him, you know. Yeah, as, yeah, as, as as you know, um, daft as that maybe that yeah. silver tinfoil thing around the back is, yeah. and how boxy he is. That face is brilliant, you know. The dripping water is brilliant. He is creepy in the close-ups. Um, I like all his little tendrils with maybe some claws on the end. I like his rather phallic ray gun that comes out. Um, and, you know, the pipes at the back. We haven't mentioned the pipes with the bubbles in it and everything. Um, yeah. no, no, oh, and dry ice. Yeah, he's got dry ice yeah. dispensers at the back. Um, I think they put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Have you ever thought of building one, a little model one or something? No, but I wouldn't mind a full-size one. Yeah, well, I think you could do it. You could, um, you could actually make that as a drinks cabinet in a side corner of the room, <laughs> and you just open up his top and there's drinks there. Oh, you could use it for that, or a barbecue pit, or a jacuzzi. There you go. He's multifunctional. Yeah. Is old Arcturus. Yeah. There's a whole range of Doctor Who merchandise here that they haven't tapped into. I've never seen a, an eagle moss of him. I don't think they do one. And there was never any other, you know, early earlier version action figures or no, anything like no. that. No, he's never been one to, uh, to, to. I mean, he's an inaction figure, if anything. Yeah, but no, no. Oh, oh no. Well, I am, I am really surprised at that. Well, that gives but, him. A, yeah, it's nostalgia, uh, isn't it? It's, it is. Love what it you is. Love, yeah. No, no, yeah, and he, it is something. You know, he's somebody from my childhood that you know uh, I, um, I've carried a lot of affection for. So yeah, yeah. no, no, a ten. So and him, you, him you and gave him Caroline a. Monroe, yeah. <laughs> That that gives him a seven point eight for okay, design. Yeah, that's not, yeah. that's not All right, but how effective is Arcturus? Um, I I think the voice adds immensely to this one. Um, I don't know who. Did you say who the voice actor was? No, I didn't. No, I, I, I might have it in behind the scenes. Really, yeah. I think I've got it in behind really the scenes. Really good the voice. Yeah, I because um, this is one I listen to a lot on audiobook as well. I got the. 
the, you know, the, um, the soundtrack version. And I've also on my MP3 player, I've got the Brian Howard novelization I listen to a lot. Um, so I think the, the voice works really well. I, I agree. I like the... I like the little touches they put in, like the the squirting liquid and the uh, the, the dry ice. I mean, it's gun. I'm not. I think they could have done something else with that. It's a bit dodgy. And I do like the way they've done the face. Um, I just have to see if I can find whatever. I've read it somewhere that it was a, an Oberon mask, but I'll have to have a look. But yeah, I think effectively he go he goes up a bit to me. I I'm going to give him an eight because I think he's a very effective villain. All right. Um, well, I gave him a nine um, yeah. for everything you said. Um, I especially like, you know, the close-ups of his face and the way his head will whip round yeah. all of a sudden and stuff. There's a couple of scenes where you see him, you know, again, high up looking down, and he seems to have coloured lights in his dome yeah. with him as well. Um, but, uh, no, no, I've, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking quite high, so that's eight and a half. Yeah. All right. Um all right, so eight and a half plus seven point eight divided by two is eight point two. Um, Arcturus has eight point two, right? That's very respectable for a. It's not bad, is it? Box of trinkets. And that puts him in a caravan all by himself. I'll oh, bless wow. him. Oh. Yeah. He'd have to really. Although it would have been, it would have been um, ideal if he'd have been in with the uh, the war machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moving about. Uh, right but, next door. Uh, yeah, he, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, ne right next door at 8.25, so very, very close yeah. to him. Uh, you've got the K1 robot in there oh. for him to talk to. A fellow fellow robot-y type person. Yeah, we have the Foretold. Yeah. Uh, Sontaran, Steyr, and the zombie Gelf are all next door if he wants oh, to right. go and have a chat. I'm sure you'll get on with all of them, to be honest. Yes. All right, so yeah. that's... You, yeah, you're, if you think what he could have been, how he could have turned out, he could have been another Samon, couldn't he? He could have, or a Moloch. Samon on wheels, yeah. Or Mo oh, God, Moloch. Can you imagine Moloch sat on top of that in the dome? <laughs> Maybe if Moloch had figured out he needed a life support system, it <laughs> yeah, would have been, would have been one yeah. from Arcturus's planet, yes. It could have been, yeah. Oh, dear. There's a thought. Yeah. All right, so some behind-the-scenes I've got. Uh, this is the first third Doctor story not to feature the Brigadier or any member of Unit. Um, it's also the first not to feature any scenes on Earth at all. Wow, so it's the first, the first one not to feature anything from Unit. Yeah, because yeah. He, he's yeah, been right, Earthbound yeah. all he's this been, time, yeah. hasn't he? You know. Yeah, because you, yeah, because I suppose. Like, you've had Colony in space, but the unit was at the beginning. I suppose if you count Joe Grant as a member of unit, though. Ah, all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, she is a member of unit. Um, yeah, Arcturus, um, yeah, old Gumboil, Murphy Grumbar yeah. was inside it, but the voice of Arcturus was Terry Bale. Terry Bale. Don't ring a bell. Well no. done, whoever he is. Yeah. Um, and I have written here, there are four sequels, okay? All oh, right. You've got The Monster of Peladon. Right, yep. there's an audio play called The Prisoner of Peladon, right. which is a, a, a sequel. A bit like Prisoner of Zender type story. There, yeah, that's a sequel to Monster of Peladon. You've right. got an audio story called The Bride of Peladon. Oh dear. Um, and well, then, that would be Joe Grant, wouldn't it? Well, if she had stayed, yeah. If she'd say yes. And then a book called Legacy. Oh, right. 
All right. It's obviously a, it's a popular place to to visit for stories, isn't it? I think there's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, potential for it. I was just thinking as well. It's like it's basically Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones as well. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the script, Alpha Centauri was originally supposed to change colour to reflect the mood. God. Hopefully not going pink. Well, I guess that would have been a CSO thing, wouldn't they? Yeah. Oh, you can almost visualise that, can't you? The way they used to do... You know, the, the colour-changing walls in The Mutants. Mm. That's how they would have done it, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and finally, a little bit of gossip. Katie Manning and David Troughton started dating during yes, filming yeah, I'd heard of that, this. Yeah. She yeah. thought he was very dishy. Mm. It was those thigh-length boots. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> in the 70s, mate. Oof. Yeah. All right, and uh, before we finish for today, I've got a bit of feedback. Um, All good. good. Yeah, from that man, Mark. Well, I hope it's good. Well, uh, yeah, here we go. This is Mark again over at Neozaz. Um, yep. And he says, uh, I remember talking to my work colleagues how good the sets were in the early episodes, partly due to their their brand new construction and being filmed in black and white but also we imagine older tradesmen from the 50s and 60s yeah. being a bit more skilled and mindful of their work like the old boys in those long <coughs> brown work coats and yeah I mean it, they were proper craftsmen we've touched yeah, on it a few times tonight haven't we you know they knew their stuff didn't they yeah they would they would have hired carpenters and joiners and yeah it, I think that's absolutely spot on. Whereas as, as you progress into the seventies and then the eighties, you've got people that are doing the job, and that's the, the only job they've done. They've not had a career. I mean, just the age of the average person that was doing it yeah. would have gone down. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a very uh, it must have been a comment. Yeah, I, yeah. Thank you, Mark. I mean, it must have been a fascinating time if you were like a, a, a plasterer or a carpenter yeah. or somebody who's good working with you know as you say hot wire or stuff like that in the BBC because you know one week you'll be working on Doctor Who then you'll be working on the Anedian line or something yeah. like that you know it must have been a fascinating varied job no matter what you were doing there all yeah. these craftspeople I, I think we've all dreamed of it haven't we we've all dreamed of, of working for the BBC at that point mm. yeah um, yeah, I imagine it was magical. Although yeah. I can also imagine a lot of these people, it's just a job to them, isn't it? They, they're probably moaning every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again. yeah, the yeah. people that are putting together Alpha Centauri, yeah. you know, <laughs> might have been grumbling surly, while they do Yeah, I imagine sur surly uh, the union men. I've got to put a pump in there to do what, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's my lunch break. Yeah. yeah. All right, and with that, we leave Peladon for tonight. Yes, we we, we take our on. shuttle back up to our spaceship and off we fly. Where are we flying to next, Ian? Um, I, 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 was, I was trying to think of what clues to give this that won't immediately give it away. Let, I'll give it a go. So we're, we're visiting the, which bizarrely described as the, the, only, uh, the only unexplored planet left in the galaxy. Nope. It's not right on one. the rim. The rim? The rim of the galaxy. It's, it's in very, very close to the edge of uh, of known reality. Oh, uh, is this an e-space story? No, 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 no. no. Uh, oh God, I wouldn't pick that. Um, <laughs> One of us is uh, going to have to sometime. Yeah. If I, I mean, this will give it away straight away. I think if if I quote another film, it, it, it. Oh, ah, yes. Um, is it Planet of Evil? 
it's, yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of CSO in that one, isn't there? There is. Yeah. Now this is this is possibly my equivalent of your memory of Peladon because I remember this this story when I was a kid. I played this on you know with my mates. This this story fascinated me and and bothered me. I mean, I remember having lots of sleepless nights because of this story. What the special so, effects yeah. or? Uh, there's one particular sequence in it, um, which I'll go into next. Remind me when we record it. But yeah, it this this is going to be an interesting one, I think. Well, we've got lots to talk about because yes. the production design on that, I remember, is being really good. I think it's Roger Murray Leach, isn't it? It is, and we've also got um, we've got uh, Paul Morrow and a very Bergman-esque character. Yes. Um, it's got a few Space 1999 things. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I think this will be good. Have you, do, you, do you own it? I yes, yes, of course yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think this is the one where I realised I did have a crush on Sarah Jane. Really? Yes. Yeah, I think that's understandable. Yes. Um, oh, good, 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 good. Because, you know, there are some, there are some Tom Bakers that I still don't own because I don't, I, I, I've lost interest in the show. Yeah. So some of the later ones, and there is going to be a point where you're going to choose one, I think. But uh, no, this is one that I've had for quite a while and uh, thoroughly enjoy. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, excellent. I think, yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm sure we'll find things that are wrong with it. You know, I, don't, I think we'll be fair with it where things are not great. And like you say, this is CSO heavy, this yes. story. But but also, um, it's got some practical effects like the jungle set. I think won awards. I might have to look, yeah, look that up. That's yeah, the jungle set. I remember you know being really really um, yes interesting and effective. Oh, good, good. That's yeah, not so going to be a I, chore I either. A no, I don't think so. Hopefully not. Again, um, I mean, this I happened like the last time we had our run where we thoroughly yeah. enjoyed all our stories and then we started reaching later Classic Who and it all yeah. kind of like dropped off a well, bit. Well, I think that's... But we're doing all right <coughs> still, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. I think I didn't... Yeah, I, that's why I thought let's enjoy what we can while we can. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Well, oh, yeah. Excellent. Good stuff. Looking forward to that then. All right. Okay, listener, we'll see us back in a week where we're, we're yeah. off to the jungle world. Yeah, yes. join, join us on the planet of evil. Yes, yes, indeed. Next door to the planet of uh, slightly nasty and just down the road from the planet of meh. Yeah, yeah. All right, excellent. Right, see you that time, right, time next time then, Ian. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Right, bye. Bye. bye.